Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. I'm glad you're glad, I'm glad you're glad, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're glad that I'm glad that you're glad. I'm glad that God brought us here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad she ended that. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you're glad that she's glad. Oh, no. Does anybody have a praise report or a testimony to share? <clears throat> I do. Yeah? So, um, oh man, I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> And the lie detector said that that uh, was a lie. Um, I started writing my vows today. Ah! <laughs> and um, I just couldn't stray away from the fact that she and I have a testimony now to share, full of God's story of redemption and grace and mercy and uh, revival, because we were not where we are now. We did not used to be here. And um, it's just crazy, like, it's just such a big praise report, because, like, Shane, don't listen to this, but the first line of my vow is the fact that, <laughs> Shane, turn it off. <laughs> but the first line of my, of our, like, my vow to him is um, that the fact that we're going to be sitting face to face, preparing to become one, is just a beautiful image of God's real faithfulness, because we don't, we don't deserve to be here. And we couldn't have gotten here without him. And we didn't use, like I said, we didn't used to be in the position that we're in now to be able to come together under his covenant. Because, it, like, his, his, the only way we can come together is because he's at the center. And there was a time where he wasn't even in the equation. And it's just crazy to see him just invade and just have resurrection power and, and authority over what the darkness once ruled. And, like, not only just our relationship but our lives like not only is he at the relationship or at the center of our relationship but he's now at the center of our lives like he called us out of the grave and like it's just crazy and like on top of that just the past like um like year maybe of my life he's brought me you guys i've never had this before in my life and it's like just so much praise like this this week coming up and everything sunday coming up it's just like there's just so much reflection in it, and seeing all his goodness and his fingerprints in my life, it's just such a big praise report. So you guys are a big part of this praise report, too. So, thanks, guys. Oh. <laughs> no problem. That's it. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Anybody else have any praise report or testimony? <clears throat> yeah, Chuck, I'll love that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. out there if anybody wants to share anything. Um, just a little bonus, little bonus stuff I'm going to throw out there before we get started. Um, what, what I was sharing um, right at the end there um, was um, something something my wife, Yana, 
had said to me, um, actually, no, scratch that. Something God said through my wife, Yana. Because that was some, that was some godly wisdom right there. Um, was essentially praise God for this or that. You know, it was when I um, just got into a car accident and I was, you know, worrying about like, you know, is insurance going to cover this? You know, praise God. I, I literally said I knew it was my fault. I said praise God if insurance covers this. If they don't find me at fault, is what I said. Praise God if they don't find me at fault. And she said, no. Praise God if they do find you at fault. Praise God if they don't. And I lost it more than Caitlin. <laughs> I, I lost it because it was just such a realization of just of, of how it should be. Of how even in a really sucky circumstance, praise God whether this happens or if it doesn't. Um, and that's something I have lived by for the past, I don't know, several months, and it's just a great way to live by. Um, I want to share um, one other thing, um, something that I just recently heard, um, kind of a, going along with some of the thought of that topic, um, when things are going wrong. You can see something as a problem or as an opportunity for God to show up. So in the same situation, you can praise God if it happens, praise God if it doesn't. You can see it as a problem, or you can see it as an opportunity for God to show up. God, how are you going to work? How are you going to move in this? God, this sucks right now. You can just complain and be like, ah, everything sucks. Oh, I've got you know a bunch of problems, a bunch of issues, things aren't going right. Or you can be like, hey, I see a lot of opportunity for God to work here. Uh, it's all about how you, you know, go about it. And I think if you go about it in the second way of how can God show up here, your outlook, your, your mind, your body, your soul, everything can kind of be in a better, better spirit. We go back to casting crowns. Do you praise you in the storm? Yeah. <laughs> Legit. You about that Legit. Literally I was about to go into so many songs. You have I no know. idea. <laughs> Breakthrough. John 17 today, believe it or not, 17, this is the 17th Bible study in this series of going through John. We started out just looking at it in John 1 of, hey, let's go about this in a different way. Let's really zoom in and spend one whole Bible study in one chapter at a time and really take our time to not just read it and move on, but to dig in, to zoom in. Um, that's what we've been doing. Um, and I, I, I've seen times where, you know, we stay on, you know, one sentence sometimes for, you know, 20 minutes. Um, or otherwise, we may have just read through that and just, you know, thought nothing else of it other than, yep, that makes sense. Um, but there is so much here. Um, yeah, a lot to, to read, a lot to digest, a lot to chew on, a um, lot to discuss. Um, so John 17 get to John 17. Are you going to bring another tree in this house? No, I'm, just I'm not going to bring another tree in the house. <laughs> Can I get a volunteer? Here's a cup. I know what's going to happen. Here's a cup. Mm -hmm. Can you take out all the air? Not easily. Without crushing it. How can you do it? 
There's still air in there. There's still, and there's going to be a lot more because there's crack now. <laughs> so you don't, you don't see a way to get the air out of that? No. What if, what, if, what if I told you the air was bad and the air shouldn't be in there? How can you get the air out? Go ahead. Follow the water. There you go. You're going to want to take this one out. <laughs> Just like the Holy Spirit yes. restores. This one, has, this one now has a crack in it. But the only way, you can, you can use a vacuum. You could you know, try to suck out the air. You use a vacuum, whatever. You can crush it. And, you know, it'll, it'll do so much, um, but, like, even if you crush it, there's still going to be, there's still going to be some air in there. But the only way to, to really get out all the air. I'm going to fill it 90%, but let's just say it's one There's still air in there. Yes. <laughs> the only way to remove the air is to not try to remove the air, but to fill it with something else instead. Am I thirsty? <laughs> Tap water. Thanks. But if you drink the water that Jesus can give, you won't be thirsty again. Never ever. <laughs> that was several chapters ago. <laughs> um, just, just a, a cool little, uh, I don't know, demonstration of whatever. Um, take it what you will. All right. Now we're going into John 17. I love your creativity, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know who's going to do that? Nope. <laughs> I, have, I said another story, but I think I might share that for another week. Um, I'm like, I beat yeah. You have to share it. Tune into the Monday Night Godcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are in John 17, and we are moving along. Um, this, is, this is titled, subtitled, uh, the prayer of Jesus. Um, there's not really a break-even point, so we'll just break it up in half. Does anybody want to read? Uh, well, let's do one through twelve. Anybody want to read one through twelve? And actually, I do want to say actually one other thing before we really get into it. Um, it's called the prayer of Jesus, um, and I think this is this is actually I think the Lord's prayer because what is you know called in like Luke 11 of the Lord's prayer, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's that's not really, like, the, the, yeah, Jesus is praying it, but that was the disciples saying, like, hey, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And he's like, sure, pray like this. So he's, like, giving this prayer to the disciples. I think it should be called, like, the disciples' prayer. But this is, this is Jesus' prayer. This is the longest recorded prayer that we have of Jesus. So in the way that we can really see how Jesus talk to the Father is right here. We have that here in John 17 of like, what did it look like when Jesus was, you know, he, he went away from everybody to talk to his Father. Um, they're one and the same, but he's also separate because he's, he's, he's human here. Um, so we get to see what does Jesus pray? So I think it's pretty cool we get to see that. Uh, everybody want to read 1 through 13? 1 through 12? Sure. Go for it. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, 
that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given from <clears throat> now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Cool. What do you guys see going on here? summarize it, you can say, you know, what you observe, um, or what you see in his heart, or any comments, what you think is cool. Honestly, I was, so, like, what I've been doing is just listening to this chapter, like, a bunch of times, especially on, like, Monday beforehand, like, I'll just cool. be like, alright, I'll just play it on audio, like, five times, and then... Because I, I feel like it's easy to lose focus while you're listening and just like, okay, I should listen to that again and again and again. But I feel like this is one of the passages that better serves the argument of like predestination. Um, and I'm not, I don't want to get into that debate or anything like that. Um, and I'm not sure which way is right and which way is wrong. Uh, it's above my pay grade. But as far as the, when he, when he specifically refers to um, he says, uh, I'm sorry, not, I am praying for them, uh, in verse nine, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me for they are yours. And it's just, uh, it's really interesting to me. And, um, in verse two, for you have granted him authority over all the people that he might give eternal life to all those who you have given him. Yeah, that too. I feel like in this this passage it's kind of like the bluff for how to glorify God. Um, in verse four it says, "I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do." It's like God's first command is for us to love one another, like like ourselves and like our neighbors. But um, obviously that's like our first purpose. But then we each have our own like underlying purpose that he's given us uniquely and so it's like by fulfilling our purpose and walking out in it we can bring him glory I think that's a cool point too you know that there is a work that only Jesus could do that he was given by God to do 
And the same goes for us. There is a work. Uh, I've done this before. There's a lot of people in the room. There is a work that only I can do. There is a work that only you can do. <laughs> you get what I mean? There is a work that God gave to Christian that only Christian crews can do. There is a work that God gave to Lily that only Lily can do. There is a work that God gave to Rachel that only Rachel can do. There is a work that he gave to Cone that only Cone can do. That he gave to Zach that only Zach can do. That he gave to Elizabeth that only Elizabeth can do. That he gave to Yana that only Yana can do. That he gave to Christian that only Christian Merkel could do. That he gave to Kayla that only Kayla could do. That he gave to Caitlin that only Caitlin could do. That he gave to Sarah that only Sarah could do. That he gave to Jackie that only Jackie could do. That he gave to McCabe that only McCabe could do. Did I say myself? He gave to Ben that only Ben could do. <laughs> I know she just needs some air. <laughs> and and there was a work that he gave to Jesus that only Jesus can do. And thank God, literally, that Jesus completed that work. Because how many people would suffer if Jesus chose to not complete that work that he chose? You know, if he would have chosen his comfort over what God had called him to do. And imagine how many people could suffer if I choose comfort instead of what God called me to do. That if Christian decides to choose oh. comfort, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what else, guys? That's good. There's a lot in here. There's a lot there going is. on. I think the it's beautiful, the recognition of authority and humility mm. in Jesus in this moment, saying, what you gave me for my for, for this season, what you've given me, I've invested completely what you told me to invest. They've been taught truth. They believe. They're ready. And now they're back to you. Like, like I mean, it's like the, the parable of the tenants or the talents. Like, I, I've done with what you've given me, mm -hmm. what you've wanted me to do. They're about to go multiply, but it's time to give them back to you. Yet now you're calling me back to something that I'm not excited about, but my work is done. So I, and I'm sitting here the whole time as Zach's reading going, how have I not read John 17 in my life? And I know I have, but it was just brand new. Like I've never read that before. Mm -hmm. So it was like, even, even on earth, there was a recognition and understanding that these men, these people that I've been able to impact just in these three years, I mean, in the 33 years in total, but in the three years that you've told me to invest in these 12 men, you gave them to me and they're ready. So they're back to you now. Now, now they're back to you. And, you know, I'm sure there was plenty more he wanted to tell him. But he says, nope, this is your time. Yeah. And he was okay with that. Because I was, he was okay with God's timing in that. Awesome. <clears throat> what else? Good stuff. What else do you guys see going on? Um, I like that, like, reading back to, um, you know, how when Jesus taught, like is teaching them how to pray and then versus this one of him actually um, praying like his words um, I like how they kind of like match in a way of like that when he's teaching it he's telling you like first in your prayer you should you know glorify God and his name and say how wonderful he is that he's your provider he's this and that like he doesn't say those words here but it's basically like lifting up God and how awesome he is and then from there, it's like um, asking God for his will to be done um, and then asking him to provide for you and then f asking for, for forgiveness um, 
and then asking God to like help us to be in his you know his path and then like when he's praying he's also glorifying God first and he's telling him like you know because we are one I get to be glorified too like I've done the work that you have called me to do um, and then from there he's like you know this um, this food that we ask of you to give us now like I'm kind of giving that food to the disciples I've trained them to do that in order to give the food to other people in the world so you can continue that like I guess domino effect um, I think that's cool that like even in his own you know personal prayer to the father he he still gives that example of how he taught the disciples before of like glorifying God's name first and focusing on that instead of just the whole like God, thank you for this day, and now please save my, my father, save my mother, save my siblings, save this. Oh, God, I really need a new job. God, I need this. God, I need that. You know, it's like focusing on the the will of God and like his, his beauty and who he is um, and like really recognizing how awesome of a king and savior that he is. Um, so yeah, I really like that. That's awesome. Them. That that that's a really good observation. That's a good correlation there. Um, that was something I, I was, um, you know, and I stood. You saw those those certain aspects. Um, and another core some correlations between you know the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and this the prayer of Jesus. You know, Jesus is repeatedly you know directing it to God the Father. Um, there's recognition of and concern for God's name. Hallowed be thy name. And, you know, he, he's saying, like, um, you know, you've given me the authority. You have eternal life. And um, yeah, he's revealed things. Um, there's, in both prayers, concern for the work of the kingdom of God. Um, and also concern for keeping away from evil. Right. Um, which we'll, we'll get into more here. Um, I think maybe more so in the second half. Um, maybe some already from this part. But in, in, in both, yeah, protect them by the power of your name. Um, but I think more so in the second part about, you know, keeping them away from evil. But in both parts, you know, Jesus is, he has a lot of these same correlations of like how he prayed and how he taught his disciples to pray, um, which should correlate because, you know, he's not going to be like, oh, pray like this, one, two, three, and then be like, pray like this, A, B, C, you know, like, he's going to be like, no, like, I'm going to teach you how I pray. Um, which I think is also really cool, you know, not in here, but in Luke and Matthew where the Lord's Prayer is, where they say Jesus teaches how to pray. They could have been like, Jesus, teach us how you walk on water. Jesus, like, teach us how you do miracles. Jesus, like, you know, teach us how to, like, know which side of the boat we should cast our net on to catch a whole boatload of fish. No, they're like, teach us how to pray. Because they, they even saw the importance of that Jesus goes away and he prays so often, they're like, this must be important. Yeah. Teach us how and what you're doing in this time with God, um, which is a, a pretty cool thing that the disciples saw there. Right, what else do we see going on here? Judas got roasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guarded them so that not one was lost, 
suffer the one headed for destruction like the scripture foretold. What about verse 1? How, what, what's Jesus' posture in prayer here? Like physically, what's his posture like? Yeah. And it says, uh, he looked up to heaven. Well, actually, he doesn't say he lifted out his hand, but maybe he did. But he, lift, he, he looked up to heaven, and he's praying to God. And it doesn't mean that, you know, bowing your head is wrong, but it's just, this, is, this was the posture of Jesus. What's the timing of this prayer he does? Is it, like, before he gets crucified? This is, like, yeah. spoiler alert, crucifixion starts next chapter. Okay. Yeah. So Betrayal and arrest is next sure. chapter. Yeah, so this is, this is all, the past several chapters yeah. has all been, okay. um, has all been essentially the Last Supper. You know, he's he's here at this Passover feast, and he's been just talking a lot. You know, we had everything from like, hey, we all came in here. I mean, I don't even know when when this started, the Passover feast essentially. Um, but this is this is the past several chapters. Um, you know, and where, where we see, you know, him talking about, you know, he, he was watching his disciples' feet. They all come in, and then they start arguing about, like, hey, Jesus, who's the greatest? I think I'm the greatest. No, I think I'm the greatest. And he's like, he just starts washing their feet. And he's like, look, if you want to be the greatest, you got to be the least of these. You got to, yeah, wash each other's feet. Um, but, yeah, this whole time is all the Last Supper. It's all the, at, at the Passover feast. It's right before his crucifixion. This is... The night before his crucifixion, essentially. But yeah, next chapter, exactly, spoiler alert, he's going to be betrayed and arrested and then crucified in the next, the next ones after that. It's again, it's another one of those chapters that it's only words that he said. Mm -hmm. uh, it, with the exception of the little intro that John gives us at the beginning of the That's chapter. Posture, yeah. um, but we, we went, I remember we talked last week about there were two chapters of just plain red text, right? Uh, until the disciples asked a few clarifying questions, and then it's right back to an unsolicited thing, which I feel like we don't see that much from Jesus, of him just talking without first being questioned or having someone come up to him or something yeah. like that. Like, this is him starting it, which I feel like we don't see as often. It's almost sure. like it's pretty important because his hours are literally limited. He's got, like, you know less than 24 hours left of you know life on earth before his crucifixion so he's like just giving them dropping them some knowledge um, what do you guys think about verse 5 now father bring me into the glory we've shared before the world began what does this say about Jesus <clears throat> he's always been there he's always been there in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Awesome. John 1, 1. John 1, 1 through 5, yeah. yeah. That's going back 16 Bible studies. Just wanted to bring that back in because it's still rather topical. Yeah. You throw in some game nights and holidays, that's... <laughs> That was the beginning of the year. Yeah, that was legitimately like six months ago. When we read those words, in the beginning, the word already existed. And I don't know if any of you remember some some discussion about 
what does that mean? Because that's such an easy verse. We've all heard that, you know, dozens of times. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word, and one of my first questions when we started this was, what is a Word? Define a Word. Like, a Word is a way about getting a message across. You know, why do we use words? What are the words used for? To relay a message. That's all a word is. But it's not the beginning was a word. There were words. No, it's the word. Capital W. The word. Jesus is the word. He's the message. He is the message being sent. He is the me the word. Um, the message coming from God and who is God and who is with God. Yeah. So you're saying when he ascended it was word up? <laughs> Yes, yeah. Zach. That was probably on my top five list. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It didn't sound like the enthusiasm was there, but I mean it. <laughs> but yeah, here in verse five, Father, bring me into glory that we've shared before the world began. So he's acknowledging. Remember, a few weeks ago I brought up Jesus was one of the following L's. He was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. He can only have been one of those things. He was either a liar, saying, I was there before all this. He was a lunatic who thought it, that it was actually true when it wasn't. Or he's Lord, and this is truth, that he was there before the world began. With God, with the Holy Spirit. Which brings me to a question. Uh, he uses the word here in verse 3. And this, and this is the way to have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. What's eternal mean? Forever. Forever? Forever. What does everlasting mean? Forever. <laughs> Forever, never ending. Is there a difference? Eternal? Uh, let's think about John 3.16. Can somebody say John 3.16? in about three different translations in the same way, but for God so loved the world, he gave his only uh, son. Begotten. Begotten son. See, that's the problem, is I have just like nine different translations. Whoever believes, yeah. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Or everlasting life, depending on which one of the 16 translations I got fighting for each other. You're all It's like... Any other Bible verse, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, the one I memorized it in. Yeah, that yeah. Bible verse, it's like, oh, the 18 I memorized yeah. it in. <laughs> I, I, think, I think one of the differences is, you know, he's saying, uh, in this way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God. For, for someone to have eternal life, you know, we die, you know, whenever we die, we can have eternal life. God is... God has everlasting life because eternal is there was a start point, but there is no end. Versus everlasting, there is no end and there was no beginning. Kind of like in math, we have a oh, what is it called? A, a, se a line segment. Oh, yes. Zach's not preaching right now. <laughs> oh, Zach is loving this. We have a line segment. There is a start. There's a definitive starting point end to no end versus a line everlasting there's no end you never were created there was no 
you came about on this time, and there's no you will end on this time. It's just everlasting. All right, any other thoughts, comments, questions, concerns in 1 through 12 so far? Yeah, this might be a little long, but I'll try to keep short. Okay. <coughs> um, so we were talking about, you know, prayer um, when we're worshiping and stuff. And then um, this first part of verse 1 when he says, Father, the hour has come. So it's like you're going, he's, you know, going through stuff. He already knew that this was, that, you know, the crucifixion is about to come and stuff. But he decides to pray and like acknowledge how good God is and all the stuff he's done and everything um, so this reminded me of a song by Toby Mac and NF is in it too and NF um, he uh, raps a little bit in there and he says um, you say you're doing work but you're asking where the couch at <laughs> how are you doing work when you're asking where the couch at God is not a crutch you can use him when you wanna you only look to heaven when you're going through some drama and when you're going through some problems and that's the only time they call him I guess I don't understand life I don't I don't understand that life wonder why because I'm all in <laughs> you know so like I'm sorry I just saw Christian over there like <laughs> like this I'm sorry I wasn't laughing at you I'm sorry it's so great like the way that he words everything but the point is you know when like Jesus is going through stuff he's he's human and too you know going through the emotions and stuff but he decides to like pause and pray um, of about all of this and then just a small little testimony um, there was one day I was at work and uh, I was talking to one of my patient and she was telling me about like how she's going through dialysis she's waiting for a kidney transplant and she had the thing on her arm um, for them to do the dialysis <coughs> it's called a fistula but anyway and then um, I asked her bless you um, and as I was talking to her I found out that she doesn't have any kids and um, she said that the reason for that was because she didn't want to pass on her yucky genes. That's mm -hmm. the way she worded it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so, you know, thinking my, to myself, like, that's so sad. Um, but the more I talked to her, I realized that she's also a believer. So then I asked her, like, to pray with her. And it was just so cool to, like, you know, pray with her. And even though she is, a, is sad of her situation, but she was still, like, really joyful and showed her joy that like she's still alive and she's going through one day at a time she did not pass on her yucky genes <laughs> to her you know she doesn't have kids but like she's still joyful and glad that you know she's still here and has a husband and has other family members to like you know be with her so just tying into this whole like you know be have joy even in bad times or good times um just like you know Jesus here like he's still joyful because he knows what's to come and how he's going to save everybody um, through what God has called him to do um, yeah cool awesome all right who wants to take the who wants to read the second half 13 through the end who would like the honor of reading the words of Jesus <laughs> Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was 
with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Awesome. What do you guys see going on? Any comments? Who's he praying for? His disciples. His disciples. Immediate disciples and us. Yeah, his immediate disciples and all who were given to him, all who believe in him. On the night that he's betrayed, on the night that he's betrayed, he's praying for those that are his disciples. Um, I don't have the reference off hand right now, um, but it's similar thought making me think of, of like Jesus loves us even while you were still sinners, even while you were nailing me to the cross, he still chose to love. On the night that he is about to be betrayed, he knows this is the end. You know, this is his last supper. This is the end for him on on earth in the flesh. He's praying for people. He's praying for those that he loves. I think a lot of us have, have probably thought about it before. Maybe we've been asked the question by someone. What would you do if, if you have one day left to live? What would you do if you have one week left to live? And you're like, travel, party, skydive, like swimming with sharks. Like, you know. And if you ask Jesus that question, we don't have to. He taught he fellowshiped with his closest people. He prayed for them. He washed their feet. How many people, probably nobody, would be on their bucket list of their last 24 hours on earth would have washed 12 other guys' feet? Nobody. But that's that's the person that we choose to worship, that we choose to follow. The guy that that we're all giving our lives to you don't have to ask him because he did it. 
his his last day he chose to wash people's feet and pray for them what else I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Hmm. And um, that just kind of reminds me that like the Lord was already anticipating what the world would be like without him. You know, anticipating that the enemy would attack us and would try to destroy the church. And, you know, all these terrible things. So it just reminds me that he knows all. Like he's sovereign over all. Hmm. That's good. I think it's cool too. Like I, I could be totally mistaken, but um, I don't believe it was custom at the time for people to continue to be a disciple of a dead teacher, like of, of a dead rabbi at yeah. all. And so he, he's like asking to be keep, not just protect. There's another translation that says keep them, almost as as if don't let them fall away from the teaching just because they think I'm dead. Like to keep them following after my teaching because it, I mean. All of them would have known there's no point in talking about what he did afterwards. And then seeing the resurrection finally, there's okay, now there's a reason to talk about who he is mm-hmm. and keep us in the teachings and the ways of, of Jesus. So yeah. it's, it's like a reminder, like that that's who I follow. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, and even later, you know, when Paul's talking, I follow Paul or I follow Paul. It's like, no, follow Jesus. That keep keep us in that. And I know so often, at least in the circles that we can be in it's oh I listen to so and so I listen to Furnick or I listen to Piper or whatever it's like where are you at with Jesus though mm-hmm. and so that I just had that conversation today with a friend that was interesting but yeah here you go cool I should use this I'm trying to read John 17 that's good I have a couple go for it verse 16 more than that they do not belong to this world just really struck me like they do not belong any more than I do Mm. that reading that over and over again was just really there's something special I think about that and then 17 make them holy by your truth holiness was a goal of Jesus for us like that was we should desire holiness we should desire to be made holy because that's what Jesus prayed for us like that's the truth Teach them your word, which is truth. Make them holy by your truth. And so how are we made holy? Well, A, I give myself as a holy sacrifice. Jesus made it possible for us to reach for holiness, to 
strive for it to be holy and then God's truth and getting that in us that's what makes us holy um, and really living living out his words um, which I think that holiness is not necessary it's talked about only in certain contexts in the church it's not talked about as a as a goal to strive for I don't think that the church really shares much about okay what does it actually mean to be holy not just in a purity context not just in that but like holy um so that's interesting to think about but then i love just 22 to the end of the way that jesus just so he preaches unity like unity between father and son god and jesus and by extension us and Jesus and us and God like it's a whole big circle that is not meant to be like there's no differences there's no pointing fit like it's layered sure but I want these whom you've given me to be with me where I am I've revealed you to them and I will continue to do so then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them like it's just a really beautiful picture of the whole circle between God Jesus us and how much Jesus's desire is for us just us it doesn't make sense <laughs> but it's it's really beautiful it's mm. good um to add on to what Jess said about unity I like how in verse 21 and 22 he says he says it twice of the that he was praying for the disciples to be one. Um and it's like his desire for us to be connected to him is so strong. Because when you think about when like and this has happened to me in like several days that I'll go with like reading the Bible, listening to worship music and really diving in to being super connected to God and then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take a break from this and it it's just so different how my day goes mm. how like frustrated i get so easily when i'm not connected to him or when i decide to drift away a little bit and he's still there with open arms but like he desires that so much and for that unity um to be one with him like every day all the time sometimes you, i think um speaking for myself like oh but it's so hard it's like so much work to get there <laughs> but it shouldn't be should be like really easy to have that constant every day cool yeah when, you, when we look at how like all the phrases that jesus used here just in just in, like in this last part of his relationship with god the father and this is all from what jesus said you father are in me and i in you you sent me the glory which you gave me we are one you and me you have sent me, you have loved me, my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. I have known you, you sent me, the love with which you loved me. That's pretty close. They're pretty close. Jesus and God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, they're like, they're close. <laughs> they're like, And he's saying that for, for his disciples too. 
He's praying that they be one, that they become one, that they may be perfect in one. Everything here, um, in in you know, his Jesus' prayer here, it's all really simple, short sentences, short ideas, um, but they're all really deep. And meaningful they're all they're all very simple words you know i am in them they are in me you know father as you and i are one let them become one it's all very simple ideas but it's it's a lot um, in the book of john as a whole of all all the chapters of the book of john the word believe is used about a hundred times, depending on the translation. It could vary from, you know, mid, like mid eighties to about a hundred, but overall about a hundred times. So it's overall, if you look at John, let me show these pages here. This is John, this little bit that I'm holding up here. That's, that's the book of John. This right here is about a third to almost about half of the words believe in the whole Bible is in this part right here. John's whole thing is, I want these people to believe. In this part, this is about half the words of the word believe used in the Bible right here. And then the other half is the rest of it. But John is like, you know, he, he, he picked very specific things um for them for for us to be able to to see to hear the accounts of what happened to be able to believe yeah just like while we're on the topic of the actual words used you know you're talking about how simple the uh text is to understand you know how simple the words were uh, i think it just points to the fact of how jesus wanted us to be able to easily understand his word and to easily know his desires for us, you know. Yeah. Now it doesn't mean that we're gonna understand everything, because I I'd, I'd be lying if I said I understand everything. I think any pastor, anybody who went to seminary, would be lying if they said they understand everything, because mm -hmm. that's if you can fully understand your God. That's your not big God. <laughs> your God is not big enough. <laughs> You're bigger than your God if you can fully understand your God. Um, but I don't want to worship a God that I can fully understand. Because that means I'm I'm more knowing than him. But yeah, there are things that, that are confusing. Like even the simplest of things of how is it that I just have to believe something in my heart and now I don't burn forever, but I get to live in heaven forever. You know, I don't know. I don't know how that works. How is it that someone can be nailed on a cross and then come back to life? I don't know. <laughs> He's God, but I don't know. I don't know physics. I can't explain it. I can't even explain how a light bulb works. I don't understand it. Electricity goes through it and there's a filament and but tell me how how does that work? Don't get me started on Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. I don't know how that works. 
You can explain it to me that there are radio frequencies, that there are waves in the air, and it's like, cool. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. You know, how is it that I just have to believe and I can have eternal life? I don't know, but that's got that's what God said, so I just I'm gonna believe it because He said that's the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know how how it is that we can't see wind, that we can't see air, but we feel it. We can feel the breeze, you know. Anyway, I don't know where all that came from, but um, anyway, any final thoughts, comments, questions, concerns? Um, Jackie brought something up called like a lot of churches that she feels like not talking about holiness that much. And it just, if you want to dive down the rabbit hole of uh, theology and um, denominations, there's actually a group of churches called the Holiness Churches. And Church of the Nazarene, Pentecostals, Assemblies of God, so both of our churches actually, and uh, Church of God are all in the Holiness group. And it's all that really means is that they emphasize the fact that um, holiness is something that is to, re to be pursued. Um, and holiness is something that can be not only that is not only something to be pursued, but something that can be achieved. You mm -hmm. can do the yeah. things that God commanded you to do. You can do the things that Jesus told you to do. You can be holy as he has called you to be. So cool. fun fact, if you ever want to dive down the rabbit hole of all the denomination tree, it's uh, it's quite a, quite a time. Mm -hmm. Well, I was just thinking how sad the state of like at least the Western church might appear to God today. There's a, in this passage about unity and how, and I don't know, maybe other people in here have different opinions, but it's just such a fracturing of different, and I mean, that's why we have denominations, which, sure, like, I, I don't know, I, I don't know enough to speak to that, but I just feel like you can sit across the room from a Christian and still not find any common ground, and I feel like that's not the way it's supposed to be. Hmm. And to simplify your thought, what does holy mean? What does the word holy mean? Set apart. Hmm. Yeah. To be set apart. No, God is holy. He is set apart. Jesus was holy. He is very much set apart from what the world was. That's what we're called to be, holy. Uh, it doesn't mean like, you know, oh, on your high horse and like, you know, hoity-toity and all, you know, whatever. <laughs> You know, holiness isn't, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. It's set apart. You know, you look at the world and you look at a Christian, they should be set apart. I mean, you shouldn't be like, I didn't know you were a Christian. Because that's not what holy, that's not what set apart means. Like, you should be set apart. If people say you're different, great. I'm not trying to be the same. There's a quote by Brennan Manning in a book that I read that said things... Mercy understood as holiness desired. And the whole incredible book. But I think the main concept is mutually understand the mercy shown to us by God. Why, how, the ins and outs of what mercy means. There's nothing that you can do beyond desiring to be holy. It's supposed to move you and motivate you to holiness. And I want to go back and read that book, but um, it was really good. Cool.
Awesome. Well, good stuff, guys. I've, I've enjoyed the conversation that we've had here. And it's been cool to look at Jesus' prayer to see what he decided, you know, in his final hours to, to do with them. And these are the words that he said. Thank you, God, for this evening. Thank you that we get to study your word, that we get to read the words that you said, the words that you prayed to the Father, um, and in your final hours, nonetheless, of, of what you chose to do with them, um, to not run away from the problem, to not, you know, be, be scared or say, God, get me out of this, but that you chose to love on and to show love and to teach your disciples um, and all of us through that, through your word. Um, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for being truth. We thank you for being holy, being set apart. Um, help us to become more like you, to be holy, 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 to be set apart from this world, to be different. Um, yeah, and let us reflect on your word this week and to, to not take it for granted that, um, you know, we're just going about our day-to-day -day life, you know, getting caught up in whatever it is that we have to do next that's on our schedule, on our calendar, on our to-do list, um, whatever comes our way as important or flagged as, you know, do this now. Um, but help us to remember you, to just always be relying on you, to be in your word, to be dependent on you, and to stay in your word, and to be staying in prayer with you. We see how much Jesus did it. Help us to be doing that also, God. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time in God's premises with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of The Monday Night Godcast.